Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. Happy is he who has the Lord, the God of Jacob, for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forevermore, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Therefore we all should praise the Lord. Brothers, sisters in Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, the God who created the heavens and the earth. Receive his greeting. Grace unto you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to God our Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're going to have a, two scripture readings. You might turn with me first to uh, Leviticus chapter 10. And I would assume that you're familiar with this. But I remember reading it to my brother a couple of years ago, um, who was born and raised in a Christian church, goes to church twice on Sunday most days. He says, wow, I didn't know that passage was in there. But it's profoundly relevant. Um, actually, both of these are to our study of the, um, the man of God who prophesies against the altar uh, in 1 Kings chapter 13. So Leviticus 10, let's read the first seven verses. Ironically, Chapter 9 is when the Aaronic priesthood is ordained, like yesterday, and these events take place the next day. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane, un, uncommanded, and offered profane fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. We'll stop there. Turn to Galatians chapter 1, just to show you that the, the message of Scripture is yes and amen uh, from Genesis to Revelation. Um, I have a starting at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10 of Galatians chapter 1. 
Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And Paul says, I marvel that you Galatians are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, and pay attention to these two verses, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As I have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do not for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Thus far uh, our reading. would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, a few months ago, I think it is already, we began our study of 1 Kings chapter 13. It is a pivotal passage, I think, in the history of Israel. Uh, it follows on the heels of the divided kingdom. Uh, the first king was Saul, who was replaced with David. David's son Solomon was well-equipped and uh, in many ways um, accomplished many great and wonderful things, even though the end of his life, uh, I think, is left with a bit of a question mark in the scriptures. Uh, and then comes Rehoboam and Jeroboam, kind of sound the same. Well, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon, and he is the heir appointed, and he is um, convinced by his young advisors to be rough and tough on the children of Israel uh, as they had asked him for pity, for ease. He says, no, my, uh, my pinky will be the size of my father's waist in terms of the whips that I use. And, and so he ends up ostracizing them and the northern ten tribes and the southern tribe of Judah uh, are separated. Rehoboam stays the king of Judah Jeroboam becomes the king of, uh, of the northern tribes of Israel. And actually early on, if I just go back a page or two, the, the revolt against Rehoboam, and um, he's going to go and he sends out the tax collectors and they beat him and throw stones at him, and, and so he's going to go to battle against them, and God says, no, don't do that. And so he restrains him from doing that. Uh, but Jeroboam had been promised just almost identical words to David. I will give you a house. I'll give you a dynasty uh, for years to come if you obey me. 
if you keep my covenant, if you do that which I command. Well, uh, I think it was a couple, the, the first study that we had, Jeroboam was a wily, wicked person. If, you, if your page is open to the 13th chapter, look across to 1228. Therefore the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, this is verse 28, and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. From where Bethel is, it's like six miles. So it's not, not too far. But he says it's too much for you to go that far. Um, Here are your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt and set up one golden calf in Bethel and the other in Dan, the, the southern area and the northern area, north of the Sea of Galilee. And he says, bring your gifts there. Uh, in fact, as we start chapter 13, uh, Jeroboam is inaugurating, kind of like what we read about Nadab and Abihu after the priesthood was established. Uh, verse 32, chapter 12 says, Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month in the month which he had devised in his own heart and ordained a feast for the children of Israel to offer their sacrifices on the altar and burn incense. Then comes chapter 13, which we will read now. Um, I'm reading from the, King, the New King James Bible, and I know in the pew, I think it's the Revised Standard. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you, if you notice a couple differences, uh, that, that is why, and it, it's just, it's, it's a larger print, and it's easier for me to read. Hear the Word of God. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the Word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar by the Word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Arrest him! Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord our God, your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. 
But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not answer. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now the old prophet dwelt, an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which the man which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who went who came from Judah. Then he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he, that's the man of God, said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you Neither can I eat bread or drink water in, with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. But he went back with him, and ate bread in his house, and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, the old prophet. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord had said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the, the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has delivered him to the lion which has torn and killed him, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his sons, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Then he went and found the corpse thrown on the road, and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, lay it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. 
Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but again he made priests from every class of people for the high places, whoever wished, he consecrated him, he, he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing was, a, was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this account that we read in 1 Kings chapter 13, uh, I think is to be permanently etched upon our memories, upon our minds, that we might not forget the sincerity, the importance of hearing and heeding and believing uh, the word of the Lord. We, we have looked at this story in three parts. The, the first part is triumph. right? Uh, the, the man of God comes from Judah to Bethel. He speaks out against the altar and against the false worship that Jeroboam is leading. And Jeroboam raises his hand and says, Arrest him! And, and in that moment, his arm withers, probably down to the bones, uh, and he can't bring it on, he, he can't lower it, he can't hide it, it's just there. And so he, he pleads with the man of God, would you pray to your God, tell him. Would you pray to your God that my arm would be restored? And he does, and it's restored. Then Jeroboam probably is thinking, you know, this is the kind of prophet I need in my arsenal. Come home with me, man of God. Uh, refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. How does the man of God reply? Not a chance. For I was told, go to Bethel, but do not eat bread or drink water or rest in that place and go home by another way. And what did he do? <coughs> exactly that. He, he said, even if you were to give me half your house, kind of like Herod, the, uh, after his daughter Herodias dances, right? Up to half my kingdom, ask whatever you want. Well, in this case, half your house. I, I wouldn't come to your house. For the one who sent me, and he, and he repeated the point, right? He said, do not eat bread, do not drink water, do not stay in that place, but return home again uh, in the way that you have said. Uh, a, a different way than, than you have come. So what we will see, what we saw in our second study, uh, is how the old prophet deceives him. Goes and tells him a lie. Tells him a story. Hey, 
Come back with me and rest. No, I won't go back. The Lord told me not to eat or drink there, but to go home a different way. But an angel spoke to me. And, and he, he told me to come and get you and to bring you home that you might eat and drink and rest. Oh, okay, let's go back home then. Apparently it was about the extent of the thought process. I too am a prophet as you are. Verse 18. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Verse 19, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Our final study is what happens next. Our final study is how we will see that the man of God is destroyed by the word of the Lord as an enduring witness that God's word shall not be ignored. God's word shall not be trifled with. Uh, we'll look at this in a, a few different ways. Four points. The way of his destruction. The restraint in his destruction. The significance of his destruction. And fourthly, the effect, consequence of his destruction. The, in my estimation, the weight of this passage has to be how do we respond to the word of God. What do we do? And throughout the history of the world, people have made excuses. People have thought they were wiser than God. They have chosen uh, the, the, the most deceitful ways to confuse and, and to lead astray. So that last song that was saying, Christian, dost thou see them? Do you hear them? Do, do you know that, that level of temptation? And the solution to that is not to yield, but to hold fast. The, the Word of God, the truth of God. Uh, because God's Word uh, is uh, unimprovable, uh, undeniable. Like what we read in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If those aren't memory verses in your head, you should put them there. If, if, if I or an angel from heaven... Can you imagine that? The, the, the glow of a face, the brilliance of, maybe they have wings, maybe not. Uh, but they say, oh, we, are, we should worship God in this way, or in that way. Or hear the word of the Lord from the angel Moroni. Whatever, right? And then falsehood, deceit. Don't listen. Don't listen to that prophet. Don't listen to that teacher of lies. Instead, follow the word that I have given to you. And, and the terminology there in, in Galatians chapter 1, let him be accursed. It's actually the word anathema. Let him go to hell. That's literally the word. Don't listen. Do what God says. Believe, hear, and heed his voice. Well, this man of God heard, he listened to the words of that false old prophet, deceit, and, and the, the result, uh, it, it, it almost reads happenstance, right? Uh, verse 23, 
Well, I guess we have the prophecy, right? We looked at that last time. Verse 21. The man of God, he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, you ate bread, and drank water, in the place which the Lord said, Eat no bread, drink no water, your corpse shall not rest with your forefathers. So when he had finished eating, he saddled the donkey for him. The man of God headed his way back to, back to Judah. Verse 24. Just happenstance, right? When he was gone, when he, after he had left, apparently, a lion met him on the road and killed him. <coughs> and his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by it, by the corpse. Some men passed by, saw this strange sight, the the dead prophet, the, the, the donkey maybe on the left, the lion on the right, and there they just stood. So when he gets back to Bethel, they tell the story, oh, we saw this strange thing. Word finally gets to the prophet, right? To the old man. And he says, oh, surely God did what he said. Look at verse 26. Now when the prophet who had brought him back heard what had happened, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has delivered him to the lion which has torn and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken. The way of his destruction, relatively unusual means of judgment. The lion struck him and killed him. For what? For not listening. For not doing what God said. I think there are, throughout the pages of Scripture, what I call representative judgments. And it's not a term that I read anywhere. It's just, there are judgments, say, for instance, like the flood. That, that's what sins of rebellion deserve in every generation, in every century, in every millennia. When, when men grow hard of heart and rebel against God, the flood... Is deserved. Is earned. Um, take Nadab and Abihu. Their false worship. I mean, if God would strike down people like that with fire for every time there was false worship, it would be a lot easier to find out which church you should be in, right? <coughs> but, what do sins of that degree deserve in God's sight? Final judgment. And, and, and even in, in, in our attitude towards worship, uh, I think we often come to worship cavalier. Oh, ho-hum, another Sunday, another Sunday. wonder what the preacher's going to have to say today. Um, this, this matter of worship. In fact, the central ethical command, I, I believe I'm, I think I can say that, is be holy because I am holy. That's what God says. Be holy because I am holy. And, and that is our charge. 
all, all of the things that we're told to do. It's actually the component parts of, of, of holiness, of doing what God says. And of course, the um, uh, think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, that's the passage which talks about we are all passed through the cloud, we all passed through the sea, we all ate of the same uh, spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. But then it lifts the sins of the children of Israel in the wilderness wanderings, right? Um, and it says, those judgments from God are examples, are examples of what we ought not to do, so that we don't do those things. And then it says, that, I think it's verse 4, and then it says it again a few verses later, uh, that the, the, these instructions come to us on whom the ends of the ages have come, so that we would not lust after evil things. The way they lusted and do them. So our desires are, are sanctified, are washed and cleansed, and, uh, and, and it becomes those things that we are to pursue and to do. So if, the, if, if that was the way of destruction, what, what was the restraint? Well, what do lions do when they kill something? They eat it, right? I mean, it's pretty gross business. But in this instance, there was restraint. There, there was a, a restraint uh, upon his actions, uh, in fact, on a number of levels. What would the donkey do if a lion approaches? Off he goes into the woods. But there stood the donkey. Uh, maybe the donkey was standing between the lion and the man of God on the road. We're not told. Uh, but certainly it is this, um, th this demonstration that, um, uh, what, what the lesson? If you know the word of God, the will of God, if you've memorized the commandments of God, or, or even the summary of the law, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you know those things, or the golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. That's your job. That, that, that's your task to be upright and true, irrespective and irregardless of how other people act, because that is God's will for you. Uh, in fact, I think this passage, I mentioned last time, this was the, the first series of sermons I preached after I was ordained back in 1990. That's a long time ago. Um, but it was impactful upon me. And, and I think it has to be impactful on us to gather as, as, uh, as believers. In, in what way especially? Well, if we know what's right, we're obliged to do what's right. In fact, the, the minister who did my ordination sermon, uh, he says, we know what you believe now, Randy. Your schooling, your education, your training, <laughs> up to par. <laughs> I'm not convinced uh, I ever was what I ought to be. Uh, but he said, the, the real question isn't, where are you now? The question is, where are you going to be in the future? And, and that becomes everybody's question, doesn't it? You know, I, I remember when I, when I bring kids through confirmation, I, say, I, know, I know you can give me the right answers, but what I'm really curious about is, what am I going to see in your life five or ten years down the road? 
Maybe even 20 years down the road. Will, will you be in church? Will you be worshiping? Because knowing what's right and what you ought to do is a, is a different deal than actually carrying through and doing it. And so the restraint that God has shown in this judgment, I think is benevolent. I think the, 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 the man of God messed up, clearly. He was judged. In fact, I think sinful rebellion pretty much always ends the same. I don't know if you know those verses from James chapter 1. God doesn't tempt anyone. But we, by our sinful desires, lust after evil things, that conceives and gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it grows up, full grown, brings forth death. That's the way sin works. And you have to know that. You have to believe that. We all think, oh, I can figure this out. Uh, I, 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 I don't have to worry about this or that. Well, no, that's not. We are to hear and to heed what God says. And so, the, this surprising, re, uh, amazing restraint that, that, that is shown with both the lion and the donkey... I think is a, is a description, an illustration of the fact that while God was correcting and punishing uh, the man of God from, Beth, from Judah, uh, it was uh, a stroke that was yet merciful. Uh, he was preserved, and as we'll see in the, the remaining verses, he's actually going to be brought back to Bethel and buried and mourned for by, uh, by the old prophet. And... Um, uh, one of the most amazing things is that the, uh, the, 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 the judgment that God brought was, was strong and bold, and yet it was, was also um, meted out with compassion. And so it was that um, uh, the, the, the judgment that was brought was an, an indication of that which uh, would be. Uh, in fact, when you um, just listen to the, the old prophet, and he's kind of a, a strange fellow to me. Uh, verse 30, Then he laid the corpse on his, in his own tomb, after he brought it back and mourned for him, and said to him, Alas, my brother, my fellow prophet, my fellow Levite, my brother. So it was after he had buried him, that he spoke to his sons, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the same which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines, all the high places, which are in all the cities of the Samaria, will surely come to pass. What did the old prophet believe? The word of the Lord. That, that what he had heard and what he had even prophesied in terms of the judgment that would befall the man of God from Bethel or from, from Judah, uh, it was this demonstration of, of his care. He demonstrates the, the power of his word. And so the question of the passage at this point is, uh, what is 
what is, what is Jeroboam going to do? Uh, what, what are the people of Bethel going to do? And so that's our fourth point, the effect of this destruction. Listen to verse 33. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way. But again he made priests from every class of people for the high places. Whoever wished, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. Jeroboam was hard of heart. He was a wicked man. He would not listen and he would not learn. Instead of amending his ways, repenting of his sins, he continues in his wicked ways. In fact, we're told uh, the result of his uh, wickedness and idolatry. Let's see if I can find it quick. In uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, 2 Kings 23, there it is. Uh, Josiah uh, is born, and Josiah restores um, the, the word of the Lord. Uh, in its place and in its sorry I should have that marked ahead of time here we are Josiah was born 290 years after the events of these circumstances these events and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem uh, when he was 18 years old of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah and Maasiah, the governor of the city. Uh, when they came to Hilkiah the priest, they found the book of the law. And they read the book of the law, and Josiah restores true worship into the land of, of Israel and Judah. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he read in their hearing the words of the book of the covenant which they had found in the house of the Lord. And in the end he goes and destroys all of the idolatrous high places, all of the wicked temples and idols that were found throughout the land. And so the promise that we read back in 1 Kings 13, O altar, altar, says the Lord. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born of the house of David, 290 years later. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests in the high places who will burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. Uh, interestingly, uh, in the course of these years, the 290 years, there was an attack uh, from, I think it was the Amalekites, and there was a, an Israelite that was killed. And there was no time to bury him, so they threw him into the tomb, 
where the man of God was buried, and he came back to life. And he was restored. And in the, um, in the fulfillment of this promise, God sent uh, Josiah to effect and to do all of these things. So we come uh, to our conclusion. This passage was part of the record for Old Testament Israel. And apparently they didn't learn very much either. But we, as believers today, we come to the Scriptures, we come to the Word of God, and we have this connection to it because we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are united, as it were, uh, by Christ and His Word, uh, and, and we love to do that which pleases Him. So what effect is this to have on us? Well, we will hear the word of God. Uh, We will, uh, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit, not just that we are the children of God, but that as the children of God, uh, we are obliged to love and serve and do. Uh, In fact, um, one of the wonderful realities in the hearts and lives of God's people uh, is that they are given uh, wisdom from above. In fact, the same passage I quoted from, James chapter 1, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, what do you have to do? You have to ask for wisdom from God, who gives to all freely without reproach. And God will give exactly what we need. And so we learn to discern what's right and wrong. And maybe, more importantly, what's right and what's almost right. Right? Because sometimes moral issues are pretty confusing. And yet, by uh, the word of the Lord, we discern, we study, we, we seek to learn that which God has said. And so this passage, uh, this prophecy from 1 Kings chapter 13, uh, is a remarkable uh, indicator, a remarkable witness to the fact that God is the God of time. He's the God of, of history. He's the God of our lives and the lives of all men. And so while we, uh, we might sometimes feel uh, a distant, oh, God seems so far away, well, draw near to Him. Draw near to His Word. Uh, seek the Lord while He may be found. And so it is that um, uh, we put our hearts, we put our, our heads to rest when we know that God is the living and true God. That he is the almighty Lord of lords and King of kings. And that he has claimed us as his very own. We are his. He is ours. I mean the thought is, it it almost seems impossible. But he knows your name. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your secrets. He knows mine. And he loves us anyway. And as we live out our lives, uh, the challenge before us all is is to hold fast, uh, to serve Him, to seek Him, to walk with Him down the the corridors of our lives, knowing that in the end, we will be with Him and He will be with us. Amen.
Father in heaven, we're grateful to you for today. We thank you for the wonders of your grace, for your mercies that are always new and all sufficient. We pray that you would uh, continue uh, that work in us, uh, leading us, guiding us, growing us uh, into your servants, your sons and daughters of your kingdom. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.